Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees, this podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here at Tennessee Legend Distillery. From country stars and cryptids to everything in between, we will talk about the life in a Tennessee distillery. What's up, Legends? Welcome to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast and this week's part two of our episodes where we will be paying homage to the Memphis-born, Detroit-raised, Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin. I am Opie and joined by the co-host, the manager of managers, Below himself. How are you, Brian? Doing well, Opie. Sounds like you might still be a little stuffy. Hopefully the... the... Illness makes its way on through you relatively quickly, and and we can actually get you back here in the store. And like Opie was saying, he and I took the time to do a little research about the amazing Miss Aretha Franklin and have split the early from the latter years with Opie taking most of the early stuff, and I'm going to be taking a lot of the latter years. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of that early time, she was, of course, born in her family home, in Memphis, Tennessee, on March 25th, 1942, to parents C.L. and Barbara Franklin. C.L. was a Baptist minister and a circuit preacher, meaning that he moved around a bit, and her mother actually played piano and sang for the church. So I guess that's how they come to to live in Detroit, with being him moving around as a circuit preacher all over the place. Yes, yes. After a brief stay in Buffalo, New York, uh, when Aretha was around five years old, they they moved around a lot. Now, what was she an only child? Uh, no, no. Actually, uh, both mother and father had children before even getting married and having four children together. Uh, it was it was not a great early home life. For Aretha, uh, the father had infidelities and uh, shockingly, even though he was a preacher, was not the most faithful husband. Not practicing what he preached. No, he was not. Uh, Sadly, uh, her mother did die of a heart attack just a couple of weeks before Aretha's 10th birthday. Uh, Children uh, raised by multiple people, including their grandmother. So after the mother died, there's different people kind of all hands on deck situation. Uh, taking care of basically the village. I guess it does take a village. Yeah, race. it does. It, it truly did take a village for for the Franklin. However, did you know that Aretha was a high school dropout after only a year of attending Northern High School? Just a year. Yes. And then dropped. Well, I mean, dropped out as a sophomore. The, I was going to say it goes to show you. I mean, you don't absolutely have to go to school not that we're condoning dropping out of school or anything like that but that type of formal education doesn't necessarily always 100 percent associate with success yes uh so you mentioned earlier that her mom played piano a pianist Uh, yes she she played piano 
yes. and sang with the church. Uh, I wonder if this is actually where her her, her influence in music started. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Aretha's musical influence came from the church and from her family. Uh, her mother was a big influence, as she was a pianist, as we said, as well as a vocalist within the church. Aretha learned to play by ear and was also influenced by names like Clara Ward, James Cleveland, as well as early uh, Caravans member Albertina Walker and Inez Andrews, all as a result of the people that flocked to her father, who uh, was known for his emotionally driven sermons and uh, his million-dollar voice. Uh, some of the most noted uh, of these people that would have included Jackie Wilson, Sam Cooke, and even Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as well as Ray Charles wow. and Marvin Gaye, who dated Aretha Franklin's sister. Wow. Uh, seriously, talk about some star power. Um, and honestly, if, you, if you're listening to this and you don't recognize any of those names, uh, uh, please send us an email at tld223 at gmail.com uh, with the school system that you attended uh, as a child <laughs> so we can write them a very strongly worded letter uh, uh, about the, the lack of, of education that, yes. that you're getting in that particular in that particular school district. Absolutely. You should absolutely do that. Anyway, like I was saying, uh, some more recent celebrities in their early years, her father was her manager. Uh, she first started singing solos in church, and shortly after her father began taking her with him on his gospel caravan tour to different churches all over. So you said that that like like some of the more recent celebrities uh, in, yes. in their early years, in her early years, her her dad was her manager. So yeah. So I'm wondering if 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 Britney's dad was a big CL Franklin fan. <laughs> but you know, Britney's dad was. Uh, uh, Michael Jackson's dad was uh, ever ever he so pretty much CL kind of like started the fad of my daughter can sing I'm gonna be her manager I'm gonna be the manager yeah yeah which uh, which and and, and and we've always realized it doesn't always go well when that happens no no uh, uh, it includes uh, Miley Oldman yeah. Hannah Montana in that one yeah. as well. Uh, which I think her dad let go of the reins relatively yeah. early, uh, so thankfully we didn't get as as crazy. Oh no! Uh, and it I think could have been way worse. Could have been way so, worse. Wow! Her first record, Spirituals, was released when she was only fourteen on the JVB Records label in 1956. After having recorded nine tracks in New Bethel Baptist Church where they had installed recording equipment for her to record tracks like Never Grow Old and You Grow Closer. I'm going to have album. to look this up just to double check and make sure. Mm -hmm. But how old was Taylor Swift whenever she recorded her first album? Uh, definitely close to this age. That's what I'm kind of thinking. I'm wondering if this is like, if if Taylor has become the, the new Aretha in that sense, yeah. taking it from I mean, such was, a young child age. She was young. To, to, all right, sorry, I interrupted you. Getting back to the album. <laughs> uh, actually, that album, though, um, that was recorded at New Bethel Baptist was re-released six years later under uh, the new label Battle Records, and then again in 1965 under Checker Records, but this release included four previously unreleased songs. 
So even back in the day, they were doing like yeah tracks that hadn't been released but had been recorded. So we're going to release it on a uh, or put it on a future release of that album. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh. And actually, at eighteen, she signed to Columbia Records, which most people would recognize that name, uh, and released her first top ten hot R and B sellers single hit. Today I sing the blues. Barely legal. The second she's eighteen, she signed with the big, the big dog Columbia Records. Big, yeah, yeah. The following year, however, Columbia Records released her first album, Aretha, with the Ray Bryant combo, which featured her first single to hit the Billboard Top 100. Won't be long, which also peaked at number seven on the aforementioned R and B chart. So even at a young age, she was. Uh, a chart topper up in the charts yeah yeah wow while working under the columbia label she would go on to release two more albums and performed a variety of musical styles including standards vocal jazz blues and doo-wop as well as r&b all hmm. right so so where exactly did the queen of soul title come from actually it was during the 1960s uh, at a performance in the Regal Theater in Chicago that WVON radio personality Purvis Spann said that for Franklin should be crowned the Queen of Soul. So that's crazy. Like, already had, like, all, all these titles and albums under her and wasn't dubbed the Queen of Soul until the 60s. Right. And, and like a lot of people wind up getting their nicknames, it's something that uh, a completely different personality. Uh, yeah. Not someone in, in her, what they refer to as camps these days, her support group and stuff like that, uh, had come up with that moniker. It was it was completely by happenstance. Uh, yeah, which I think, I think really means more. I think it means yeah. more not coming from your camp, that someone outside of your camp's like, oh, she's the queen of soul. Because it's easy to say from yeah. your own camp, oh, she's the queen of soul. Like, okay, yeah, you're a little biased, but... An unbiased personality gave her that name for the first time in the 60s. And, of course, she's still called that today. Crazy. Now, like I said, that we were going to be splitting some time up and barely scratching the surface. And and I want to thank you for the, the quick look into the early years. Mm. Um, we're going to take a quick break real quick. And whenever we come back, we're going to be going into the latter years, um, which I, I it's hard to believe that. At the age of 18, she had already recorded multiple albums, like you said. And and we're getting into now the third company, the third record label yeah. that she had been signed with during her life lifetime. Yeah. And, and we're getting into what will be, quote unquote, the latter years of her life uh, after this. Uh, of course, including her time with Atlantic Records, as well as Clive Davis's Arista Records during the second half or the second barrel of Between Two Barrels podcast. Looking to satisfy your sweet tooth while visiting the Smoky Mountains? Check out Adina's Sweet Shop, a treasure cottage of baked goods nestled in the heart of the Smokies in Gatlinburg. They create the most delectable homemade cupcakes, chocolates, pastries, pies, and so much more, including over 20 flavors of the best ice cream you've ever had. And don't forget to check out their selection of boozy favorites as well. Locals and visitors alike have raved about Adina's desserts, and once you've tried them, so will you. 
At Adina's Sweet Shop, there is truly something for everyone. Just minutes from Dollywood or the mountains, you can find them at 170 Glades Road in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or online at adinasweetshop.com. And tell her you heard about them from Tennessee Legend Distillery. Welcome back, Legends. As Brian mentioned before the break, we are going to take a small look into the time Aretha spent with Atlantic Records as well as others. Uh, looking into her background, it seemed like she really didn't hit the quote-unquote big time until she signed with Atlantic, though. Uh, too true on that. Uh, believe it or not, her contract with Columbia Records actually expired in November of 1966, and she technically owed them money because her album sales had not met expectations, and it was later revealed by John H. Hammond, who was a label exec for Columbia Records at the time, had stated that he felt the label did not understand her early gospel background and failed to bring that aspect out of her any further during her time at Columbia. So it was a situation to where, if you're not familiar with with record contracts and stuff like that, basically they go ahead and pay out a, a recording artist what they anticipate the payout for or, or percentage of what the payout for record sales are going to be for a particular album, uh, uh, an advance, as it were. Um, yeah. And then for that contract, like they are paid that amount of money, but in the event that the, the album sales are not there, then there could be a situation where at the end of the day, the recording artist is left with having to pay out what would be the remaining money back to the recording company for, for the money that they invested to get all the, the albums out and everything else, which nowadays it's not as big a deal because everything's digital. There's yeah. no real worry about having to, to, to recoup the costs on that as much, but there's, it still works the same. And it was a situation where that, that last label or that last album that she had recorded with Columbia had not met the sales goals that she had gotten paid for. So, she owed them money, but then also, as it was saying in this, that, that John Hammond, who was an exec for Columbia at the time, felt that they completely underutilized her talents. Uh, and, and not necessarily saying that she had to record gospel music or whatever, but but they weren't they weren't helping her be the best Aretha that she could be uh, at that time. So basically, they were trying to make her fit their mold instead of building around her talents. Exactly, exactly. And ultimately, of course, that led to a less than stellar reception of those albums, uh, which, of course, then led in the, the less than anticipated record sales. And and at this time, uh, a producer, uh, Jerry Wexel, over at Atlantic Records, convinced her to sign with Atlantic, and during her first six years is when she released a good amount of the music that she is remembered for today, including Do Right Woman, Do Right Man, I never loved a man the way I love you, baby. I love you, and of course, one of the bigger ones. Uh, you make me feel like a natural woman. And of course, one. the song she's known for, R E S P E C T. Yes. Speaking of respect, did you know that she actually covered that song? No, actually, I did not. Yeah, the original artist was a one, Mister Otis. Reading the dock of the bay guy, yes, the sitting on the dock of the bay guy was the original artist for uh, uh, 
or for respect. Um, he was actually quoted as saying, admiringly, albeit, uh, that that little girl done went and stole my song. <laughs> I mean, she did. No, she no, did. no. And and made a killing off of it, too. I don't know if no, I could no. hear him singing it now, though. And that's the thing is, like, it was it I'd have to go back and listen to it, like actually try to find it and see if there is a full recording of him doing it, because I would want to sit there and say that it would probably be more like Dock of the Bay. Like it's that lower, that lower oh, tempo. Oh, yeah. just you can't you can't right now i mean at least i can't my mind because all i hear is is her just you know that up tempo that upbeat just belting it uh yeah so it's it's really hard to imagine now now while she did release several great songs including hints like think uh ain't no way and of course another one that she's really known for chain of fools Mm. after 1972 uh, those years were not viewed as successful as the first six years with Atlantic. Um, later in the 1970s were considered down years for her career. Like I said, in a sense, that doesn't mean that she didn't have quite a few memorable moments, like an international tour with stops including Amsterdam and Paris, mm-hmm. as well as recording top 10 singles like Spanish Harlem, Rocksteady, and Daydreaming. But she did do some like shows and movies, though, didn't she? Yes. As a matter of fact, in the late 70s, she did have a guest spot on the Mike Douglas show where she actually covered another huge band's hit yesterday in the Beatles hit yesterday. Mm. And in the early 80s, she made a powerful appearance as the soul food restaurant proprietor married to a Mr. Matt Guitar Murphy who is one of the original band members for none other than the Blues Brothers. After which the movie, of course, was titled. And not only was she in it, but one of her big, biggest musical influences in a Mr. Ray Charles made a small cameo in the film himself as well. Well, then, uh, that, means- that needs to be our call to action for this episode. Okay. Uh, can you name... If you can name the songs that were sang by Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles in the Blues Brothers movie, the first person to email us, that answer, tldtube23 at gmail.com, you're going to get a swag package from Tennessee Legend Distillery. That's an awesome, awesome offering, and it should not be a difficult one to answer for anyone who has seen that movie because they make some of the best appearances as well as best performances in the entire movie. Uh, and one of my favorite things, you remember what the order is that the Blues Brothers give her whenever they first walk into the place, whenever they walk into her her soul food not. restaurant. This is this is one of those movies I cannot quote like I can others. I've seen this it. This is one of the ones that you lot, leave up to me. But, but yeah, yeah, this is this is Blues Brothers is your, your domain. 
I have one of the the more obscure movie quote minds of of probably anyone that anyone has ever met. Um, and the order is Jake and Elwood go in there. Jake being Belushi and Elwood being Ackroyd uh, goes in and he's like, "Yes, I'd like to have four fried chickens and a coke." Elwood Elwood says, "And I'll have some dry white toast." <laughs> And then she's like, did you mean like chicken breast, thighs, legs? Says, no, I want four fried chickens and a Coke. And then Elwood interjects, and some dry white Coke, please. So then she walks back to the back, and her husband, Matt Murphy, uh, the guitar player uh, for the, the Blues Brothers band, is sitting there at the flat top fryer. And she's like, can you believe this? These two honkies just walked in here looking like I can't remember what the description is as far as what they're wearing. And he said, the shorter fat one just ordered four fried chickens and a Coke. And he's like, Jake. She's like, huh? And then said, and the other one, little tall dude, whatever, says he just wants some dry white toast. Elwood. (laughs) So he knew exactly who it was without having to hear anything else about it. And and that's one of those one of those awesome movement or moments in the movie. Uh, but like Opie said, guys, our our call to action for this episode is going to be, like I said, if you can name the songs that were sang by Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles in the Blues Brothers movie, we are going to get you that TLD swag pack sent out. Uh, now we can spend a ton more time going so much further into depth into the life and times of this amazingly talented woman. Uh, but we are going to be running out of time for this episode before too long. So before we do that, uh, we are going to take a few minutes to bring you some of her honors and and the the legacy that is Miss Aretha Franklin. Absolutely. Uh, she received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1979. She had her voice declared a Michigan natural resource in 1985. Wow. What a flex. Right. <laughs> My voice is a natural resource. <laughs> became the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that's a that's an amazing feat in and of itself. Yeah. Because think about all the women that came before and during her time. Right. Got inducted before. Wow. Insane. Uh, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences awarded her a Grammy Legend Award in 1991. Then the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1994. Franklin was a Kennedy Center honoree in 1994, recipient of the National Medal of Arts in 99, recipient of the American Academy of Achievements Golden Plate Award Represented by awards council member Coretta Scott King. Wow, that's awesome. Right. That's awesome. And was bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2005 by then-President George W. Bush. She was inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame in 2005 and the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame in 2015. Franklin became the second woman inducted to the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2005. Wow. Lordy B. She was the 2008 Music Cares Person of the Year, performing at the Grammys days later. In 2019, she was awarded a Pulitzer Prize special citation for her in 
indelible contribution to American music and culture for more than five decades. Franklin was the first individual woman to receive a Pulitzer Prize special citation. That is insane. The multiple halls of, halls of fame. Legend. The 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 different so my my thought on this would be that this was definitely a woman that during the time that she came up, like imagine the fact, okay, you're in the fifties and sixties as a young child becoming a teenager in yeah. America where racism is still so openly rampant. Yeah. That she was able to accomplish all of these things. And then of course, later in life be rewarded for all of those accomplishments and be, be uh, uh, an example to, to the, the number of, of, uh, African-American, black, uh, whatever moniker, uh, uh, anyone, uh, a person of color in that aspect would, would want to be referred to as uh, as an idol for someone, to, uh, 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 a person for them to aspire to be. Um, and in so many different uh, uh, genres, whether it be blues, R&B, hip-hop, jazz, I mean, all those different people uh, that, that took her life and times as as a a veritable northern star yeah uh so to speak to to be able to follow wow uh continuing on and getting into not necessarily more recent times uh because you covered up to some accolades uh going all the way to as recently as 2019 with some things that she had gotten um that in 2010 uh she was ranked first on Rolling Stones magazine list of the 100 greatest singers of all time. Ninth on their list of 100 greatest artists of all time. And then following the news of her surgery and recovery from 2011, the Grammy ceremony paid tribute to the singer with a huge medley of classics performed by artists such as Christina Aguilera, Florence Welch, Jennifer Hudson, Martina McBride, and Yolanda Adams. Speaking of, of people that would have been influenced and, and mm-hmm. inspired uh, yeah. by Aretha Franklin. Uh, that same year, she was ranked 19th among Billboard Hot 100 all-time top artists. And then when Rolling Stone listed the Women in Rock 50 Essential Albums in 2002 and again in 2012, it listed Franklin's 1967, I Never Loved the Man the Way I Love You at, at number one. It was inducted to the GMA Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 2012, where Franklin was described as the voice of the civil rights movement and the voice of Black America. There was also an asteroid, asteroid number 249516, dubbed Aretha, was named in her honor in 2014. And the next year, Billboard named her the greatest female R&B artist of all time and then in 2018 was inducted in to the memphis music hall of fame wow lord just the the number of accolades it's crazy like i knew she was a legend 
by right. But I did not know there were all these the, accolades just hammering at home. Right. That she it, is. It, it's crazy. Now, wow. well, this was said about her. American history wells up when Aretha sings. Pre President Obama explained in response to her performance of A Natural Woman at the 2015 Kennedy Center Honors. Nobody embodies more fully the connection between the African-American spiritual, the blues, R&B, rock and roll, the way the hardship and sorrow were transformed into something full of beauty and vitality and hope. Franklin later recalled the 2015 Kennedy Center Honors as one of the best nights of her life. On June 8, 2017, the city of Detroit honored Franklin's, Franklin's legacy by renaming a portion of Madison Street between Brush and Winthrop Streets, Aretha Franklin Way. The Aretha Franklin Post Office building was named in 2021 and is located at 12711 East Jefferson Avenue in Detroit, Michigan. Rolling Stones called Franklin the greatest singer of her generation. In April of 2021, Aretha Franklin was featured in National Geographic magazine, and in the previous month, the Society began airing the third season of the television series Genius about her life and career. After working with the artist for nearly four decades, Clive Davis said that Aretha understood the essence of both language and melody and was able to take it to a place very few, if any, could. According to National Geographic, she was a musical genius, unmatched in her range, power, and soul. Now, like I said to begin with, this is a situation where there were just so many things that we were barely scratching the surface. She was taking arrangements for classical songs and putting them to upbeat tempos and stuff like that. Uh, uh, of course, one of the bigger ones being respect that that was done with taking uh otis redding's song and 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 making it her own but she also did the same thing with several other songs and there's one in particular uh i think we're going to probably put this in the description for today uh because i'm gonna have to go back and verify that this is the correct one um but there was a very popular children's song that she wound up doing this to as well uh, that had a, a very fun, uh, uh, upbeat tempo and, and just energy to it. Um, and, and Obama's words that nobody embodies more fully the connection between the Afro African-American spiritual, the blues, R&B, rock and roll, and just the way that hardship and sorrow were transformed into something full of beauty and vitality and hope. All of the stuff that she experienced during those early times between her mother passing, her father being uh, 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 not the most loyal, not a great uh, creature. Uh, his infidelities <laughs> and stuff like that, also trying to be her manager and take her around and, and basically put her on show, parade her around, um, dealing with financial hardships and all this other stuff. And and to put all that stuff together to where you would feel mm. only just a slight inkling of all that stuff whenever she would have these different performances and stuff like that. It's, 
that's what truly makes her a legend in the fact that she could elicit that type of stuff, make you feel part of just even just a small part of what she felt. It's it's another one of those. I mean, man, it's like Jimmy Buffett. The the music will move you, and and it doesn't matter what kind of music it is, or what kind of genre it is. If you feel that connection, if you make that connection, it's going to wind up, you know, either taking your brain to a place to where you can find some sort of healing or or release or just something. I mean, it just the the feels or the vibe, as the kids these days say. I mean, it could just completely change uh, your entire day, and it's yeah. sad. Because, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that very few people in this world could, let alone not just survive half of what she went through, but survive and then become the legend that she did. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's, absolutely. it's just once in a blue moon, someone like Aretha comes around. You you hear them referred to in sports as generational talents. Yeah. This one hundred percent a generational talent. Yeah, uh, uh, we'll probably one, be dead before an, an, another Aretha comes around. Oh, for sure. Uh, just in those types of accomplishments and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, there's it's it's going to be very difficult to to find someone to even remotely match it. And unfortunately, we did lose this amazing woman uh, on August the 16th in 2018. So some of these accolades and some of these honors and stuff like that were, of course, uh, a postcard, mm. uh, which is how it works for some of these things. But the, the sheer number of ones that she was uh, on the receiving end of while she was still alive is, is insane. Um, but it, it was unfortunately pancreatic cancer or a pancreatic cancer variant, um, is what did her in, uh, stupid cancer. It's one of those things. And we could have an entire episode on this and the fact that that's something that's just a money making, uh, in the, in the treatment of it, as opposed yeah. to the, the eradication of yeah. it. And we know at this point that it can probably be fully eradicated yeah. uh, with no problem. But like I said, there's no, there's no money to be made yeah. in the in the complete curing of it so Sadly. that's why they're still just treatments um but after franklin's death fans added unofficial tributes to two new york city subway stations the franklin street station in manhattan uh served by the number one train and the franklin avenue station in brooklyn served by the c and s trains uh, both stations were originally named after other people but of course got named to uh, Franklin Street and Franklin Avenue stations. Um, and although the fan tributes were later taken down, the subway systems operator, the Metropolitan Transport Authority, or the MTA, placed permanent black and white stickers with the word respect next to the Franklin name signs in each station. Uh, also, during the American Music Awards on October 9th, 2018, the show was closed by bringing Gladys Knight, Donnie McClurkin, Ledsey, C.C. Winions, and Mary Mary together to pay a tribute to Aretha, Aretha Franklin. The all-star group performed gospel songs, including renditions from Franklin's 1972 album, Amazing Grace. And then a tribute concert, Aretha, a Grammy celebration for the Queen of Soul, was organized by CBS and the Recording Academy 
on January the 13th, 2019 at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles. The concert itself included performances by Smokey Robinson, Janelle Monet, Alicia Keys, John Legend, Kelly Clarkson, Celine Dion, Alicia Cara, Patti LaBelle, Jennifer Hudson, Chloe by Haley, Her, or H-E-R, uh, Zaw, Brandy Carlisle, Yolanda Adams, and Shirley Caesar. And this event was recorded for television, airing on March the 10th. Talking about earlier the, the different names of uh, people that would have been influenced, that yeah. in and of itself. I mean, these are just the people that were selected to 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 represent. That doesn't yeah. even begin to touch the number of, of people inspired or influenced. Uh, at the 61st Annual Grammy Awards, the ceremony was ended with a memorial tribute to the life and career of Franklin. The tribute itself concluded with a rendition of her 1968 hit, you Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, performed by Fantasia Barino Taylor, Andra Day, and Yolanda Adams. And in 2023, Aretha, a love letter to the Queen of Soul, opened at the Sydney Opera House before heading to Brisbane and Melbourne, where Australian playwright, actor, and screenwriter Jada Alberts directed and narrated the musical, which featured Emma Donovan, Montaigne, Tandy Phoenix, Tendo and Ursula Lovich along with a nine-piece band. That's so awesome. there is a musical out dedicated to Aretha Franklin, and maybe that's something if you can find someone that wants to even attempt oh. to try to, to to produce that to hit those types of feels and everything else. <laughs> I mean, that looks looks and seems like it could be a great show, but you've definitely got to find somebody with some confidence. To, to step up to that role yeah, for sure. Uh, this, like I said, guys, we could have gotten into so many more things. This oh. is just a brief skimming over the the life and times of Miss Franklin, and, and we could go into so much more stuff. Uh, but like I said, we want you guys to make sure that y'all are still listening and everything else. We don't want to lose our audience at any point in time with any of these. Uh, so we are going to go ahead and wrap up what would be this episode. Um, guys, thank you uh, for listening. Um, if you are enjoying it, make sure and let us know. Uh, we've definitely taken into some taken into consideration some of the notes and stuff that we've received from different listeners and stuff like that. Please keep that stuff coming in. We want to continue this thing for as long as we possibly can and keep bringing you all some fun insights. Uh, in-depth looks at the different things and hopefully bringing you some information that you may not have previously known about some of these different legends uh coming up for the month of october we're going to have one more episode in the month of september uh before we get into our october slate of episodes for between two barrels which are all going to be about the spookier side of life mm -hmm. uh as we get into the wonderful month of october and one of our first episodes, we actually got a very, very fun opportunity mm -hmm. uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact, to record with a uh, paranormal investigator, a ghost hunter, if you will. Um, yes. And that is probably going to be our first episode coming out for the month of October. And and uh, speaking with Opie and, and speaking with, with Mike, I want to go ahead and tell you his name's Mike. We'll get you a little bit more information later on. Yeah. Uh, 
I could sit there and listen to him talk about their experiences all day long. All day. Never, never even worry about being hungry or need to go yeah. to the bathroom or anything like that. Uh, just because he is so compelling, uh, not only with the, the information that's in the stories, uh, but the way he tells it, not only his voice and presence and everything, it's just very uh, uh, engaging. Yes. Um, and, and was a really great interview uh, earlier today. And we definitely are looking forward to getting those out to you for the month of October. Well, guys, uh, this has been a really fun episode. Huh. I am as Tyler said, the manageriest of managers here at Tennessee Legend Distillery, the one and only Velo Brown and Opie. Again, brother, hope you get to feel him better Thank uh, you, man. relatively soon because yes. we definitely want to get you back into the studio here and, and be able to sit across from you in, in that aspect as opposed to sitting across oh, from you on a computer. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, Again, thanks for joining us, and cheers to you, legends. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com, where you can find links to all of our different locations, as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.